Yeah. I got the shooter's touch, can't nobody shoot like me Fourth quarter down three, need a two and one Better call on me, better call on me If you know you need a shooter I'm ice cold like a cooler Get you right though, I can tutor This that mic flow, I'm a hooper I got blue faces on blue faces I'm Shooters, this week on the podcast, we bring on Joseph Sigris. He's the head girls coach at West Des Moines Valley, and he is putting together quite the program over there at Valley. Two state championships in his time there, uh, tons of talent, always competitive in the CIML. Um, not originally from Iowa, and so it was neat to be able to kind of connect the dots and um, what brought him from Ohio to Arizona to eventually here in Iowa. And it sounds like he's making himself right at home and, and really loving the time here with his family. We enjoyed this episode. It was fun talking with, uh, with him, giving us some insights. Um, we hope you enjoy it. If there's anything that you like or can pull from this episode, let us know about it. We'd like to hear from you. Uh, we'd like to interact with you guys as much as possible, know what you like and you don't like. And so hit us up. Again, this is Shooter's Touch, and we look forward to it. Coach Sigris. Well, Coach Sigris, welcome to the Shooter's Touch. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, we're excited to have you on, excited to hear your story. Um, a little bit before we get into that, um, I, I got to ask, so I know you're a Cleveland sports fan, so you guys recently had the hometown title um, not too long ago when LeBron brought it back, so... How does how does Milwaukee's championship compare last night? Fifty year drought. What do you think? Anything comparable to the Cleveland championship? Well, funny you say that, uh, Brian. My dad is a fifty three year uh, lifelong Bucks fan, <laughs> wow. so he latched on to him when they drafted Lou Alcindor back in what was that sixty eight? <laughs> okay, I think. And um, so they won when he was thirteen. And he's now 63, so he's seen their championships 50 years apart. So I was pulling for him big time, you know. Um, yeah, the Cavs one was great for me, but he's actually a Northeast Ohio guy that latched onto the Bucks 53 years ago. So that, that was pretty cool. Good night for him. <laughs> right. That was uh, yeah. That was quite the quite the series. Um, obviously, the season was a little wild, but that series was good. And um, credit the Bucks and obviously what Giannis was able to do. And so, um, I wonder if there was a connection, obviously, with you uh, being over in Ohio. But uh, with that, Adam, let's let's throw it back. Let's uh, get a little bit of the backstory where he grew up um, and how that all kind of came together. So yeah, I grew up in uh, Maslin, Ohio. Um, Northeast Ohio, 60 miles south of Cleveland. Um, big football school, but I uh, played baseball and basketball there and then went on to play both sports for one year at Walsh University in uh, North Canton, Ohio, NAIA school. Since um, I think it's been about 10 years now, they're now NCAA Division II. So I stay in touch with my um, college baseball coach quite a bit, and he follows my girls' basketball journey, and I, I still stay in touch with him and, and what he's doing. He's still coaching baseball there. So, um, sorry, my dog's pawing at the door. But, um, so, yeah, it's just um, grew up a sports fan. You know, my dad, huge sports fan. I was out hitting golf balls, hitting baseballs, playing basketball at, you know, before I can remember. So um, grew up in a big sports city um, and then moved to uh, Arizona 
um, Rio Rico, Arizona. And um, the reason I chose that, I wanted to go somewhere warm after I graduated college to teach and coach. And a guy by the name of John Fanning uh, reached out to me and said, hey, I need a, an assistant basketball coach. This was on the boys' side, high school. Um, with an opportunity to be the head coach next year because I'm taking a principalship. So I'm like, wow, that's that's quite an opportunity. I mean, I, I'm pretty young, I'm pretty raw, but um, you know, how could I pass up that opportunity? So I uh, traveled from Ohio to Arizona and I met my um, soon to be wife, you know, after, uh, on the first day of the job in Rio Rico, Arizona, and spent three years out there, but she wanted to move back home. She's a she's from Granger, Iowa. Played at Woodward Granger and then played college basketball actually at William Penn. So I moved here about 15 years ago. Um, took me a while to get going, but uh, uh, Jeff Horner hired me on as boys staff. Uh, about 13 years ago, I uh, spent uh, three years on his staff at the sophomore level. Um, and then 10 years ago, I, I went for the girls job. I'd never coached girls in my life. Um, so that was kind of, uh, this is going to be different. But I knew, I knew some of the families. I knew they had a, a, a good culture. And I just wanted to take that to the next level. And, and I, I viewed it as a, uh, a great challenge. And, um, you know, the last 10 years, I, I, couldn't have, I couldn't be happier than, you know, the success we've had as a program, as building a, cult, a positive culture, and, um, and then seeing all of these young ladies go off to college and then become, um, you know, nurses and um, uh, some are in uh, accounting school. And I mean, just lots of teachers, lots of different um, successful adults. So uh, just really excited about the young women that they become. Well, that's a, it's a really great story that we'll, uh, we'll unpack a little more here. Um, so a well-traveled coach, obviously. Um, <laughs> however, right. let's go back. Let's go back to Ohio. Um, how big was the town you grew up in? And you mentioned a couple sports. Were those the sports that you had kind of specialized in your entire life? Or, or uh, were there more sports that you were playing when you were younger? Um, so Maslin, Ohio, uh, the first part of your question is a town of about 35,000. Um, it's since moved down a level. It's an old steel mill town, um, moved down from like division one, it's opposite there. Division one is the top level. So now they're division two, uh, because of some dropped enrollment, but, um, huge football town. And, you know, I, I just, I played in junior high. Um, so I played baseball, basketball, my whole career but then dabbled in football a little bit, golfed a little bit. I never specialized in one sport. I, I, and I think that's so important nowadays. Um, we have girls that we had three girls on the varsity soccer team at Valley that just won a state title early summer. Um, and we were there cheering them on and, and think how, you know, I mean, 
that team isn't as successful without those girls and our basketball team, you know, I think back to Alex Honnold, she was, um, she's playing at Missouri softball right now, but she was offered division one basketball scholarships too. And she never played AAU, you know, we don't win those two state titles without an Alex Honnold. So I grew up knowing that playing multiple sports and, and, how good that is for your body, your mind, all of that kind of thing. And um, I, I definitely promote that with our girls at our, our school too. Yeah, you know, there is, I mean, we talk about it all the time here at the Shooter's Touch that, you know, a lot of, a lot of, I guess, the push now is to be specialized because a lot of sports are all year round. I mean, even, even, I mean, baseball here in Iowa where you have to be outside, you know, there's, there's indoor hitting leagues and stuff like that. But I think, I mean, I think we agree with you that, you know, multiple sport athletes, you know, they use muscles that they wouldn't in their maybe top sport, you know, if it's bad ball. I think there's definite benefit in that. And like you said, you know, they, uh, athletes are athletes. And, you know, if you practice enough, you know, you can be, you can be good at multiple sports, you know, with basketball and soccer, like you said, with those three girls. So, you know, we definitely agree with you there. Um, what about uh, your favorite sport? Obviously, you're a basketball coach now, so I guess my assumption is, is basketball. Was it was it always basketball? Um, you know, was there ever a time where you're like, ah, maybe I'll maybe I'll jump into baseball a little bit more in basketball? Yeah, it's a great question, but it it was strictly seasonal. You know, in the winter, I didn't have the baseball itch. I didn't spend as much time playing baseball or hitting in cages until I moved to college, you know, and focused more on baseball and, you know, winter hitting. And so I was pretty much half the year baseball, half the year basketball growing, growing up all, all the time. Um, and now since then golf's my, you know, since I've graduated <laughs> golf's my favorite sport to yeah. play. So I've always had something that I've focused my time and energy on as far as a sport, but yeah, growing up and in high school, it was half and half. And um, I, I love them both equally. Um, I, I did coach baseball a little bit in Arizona um, and then moved to the umpiring side um, in Iowa. So my first four years here in Iowa, I umpired high school baseball. But once I got the girls job, I just strictly wanted to focus on, you know, developing our players in the off season running summer camps and just solely focused on developing a program. So um, that my passion is coaching basketball by far. Um, I dabbled in the baseball a little bit and I didn't like that as much, but um, still love the sport. We went out to an Indians game once, you know, when I was in Ohio visiting family and huge Cleveland Indians fan. Um, but I love the Ohio State Buckeyes as far as football and basketball. So um, that's not too popular in this area. <laughs> you know, so we'll but... try not to hold that against you. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I have brother-in-laws that give me a hard time with Iowa and Iowa State, but I root for those teams if the Buckeyes aren't playing them. So, <clears throat> yes. Yeah, so maybe just maybe a uh, um, just maybe off the path question here, but uh, were you upset with LeBron when he left Cleveland? No, you know, once once professional athletes are professional athletes, it's it's a business. It's you know, I I love that 2016 team that broke through and and won a championship, especially beating 
the Warriors who were, you know, the best regular season team of all time. So, and down three, one. So I think that's just a, an, an amazing sports story and gives everyone hope. Um, and you can kind of pull things from that as far as coaching is concerned. So um, that was an awesome championship. So I'm, I'm thankful that he brought that to the city since then, you know, I'm not a huge fan of how, He's doing the Space Jam, and he's an L.A. guy now. It's just just kind of – he's just growing his brand, which yeah, that's fine, but you – uh, uh, you, you weren't the one, like, burning jerseys then when he left Cleveland the first time? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> well, back to the story. Back to the story. Um, so, uh, I mean, you mentioned, you mentioned umpire. You mentioned, obviously, you're a coach now. When did it come into mind? that coaching may be what you want to do um, as a, as a youth um, high school, where, where did that come in? Yeah, I knew it pretty early. I, I would say sophomore year in high school is when it hit me pretty, um, pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I just loved everything about the game. You know, I, I was a decent player, pretty good athlete. I wouldn't say, I mean, I was great or anything. I'm glad my my sons are <laughs> show a little more athletic ability with my wife uh, um, than I did. But I just loved all the the game planning, the strategizing, the you know breakdown of stats, just all the ins and outs of sports. Um, just really always appealed to me. And um, growing up, like I said, with my dad, just. You know, he's a huge fantasy baseball fan. So I'm still in a fantasy baseball league with him and we break down stats. So, you know, it's no different than going to huddle and saying, you know, where are we, where are our best shots? You know, we break it down to left side, right side of the floor. Where, you know, which side are we hitting more threes from? Are we hitting more threes from catching from the side or catching inside out? Um, So we break all that stuff down. You talk about analytics and the push you know, with both baseball and I think basketball, we use a lot of that stuff um, more than one might think. So all of that stuff appeals to me and I think is is our responsibility as coaches to, to put our players, our girls in the best possible position. Yeah, I mean, you know, no matter what sport you may have, I guess in air quotes, left behind, you know, there's definitely ways to uh, ways to stay involved. Um, with those sports. So that's cool that uh, your dad do that. But um, what about, uh, this might be kind of a loaded question, but um, what about coaches you've looked up to over the years, um, whether high school, college, NBA? Okay. Um, yeah, I, I pulled thing for, things from all of my coaches. You know, I, my high school basketball coach and baseball coach were throwbacks. They were strict. They were hard on you. Um, you know, they called me Joey back in the day, but I remember my high school coach in a scrimmage kicking a chair back, <laughs> um, you know, as far as he could because there weren't any bleachers behind him, but because I wasn't in the right spot, it's like, oh, I better get to that spot next time, you know, but um, but they were they were hard on me. Um, I've had to grow in that area because I kind of started you know, learning that way. My college baseball coach was the same. So three, three coaches that come to mind uh, early in my development were strict, go get them, 
motivators, all that kind of thing. Um, so I kind of had that, that's all I ever knew. Um, so I had that tough edge to me when I started to, but um, 10 years ago when I took the girls, you know, I kind of had to mellow and, and mesh some things and it challenged me to be a better communicator, you know, not just fly off the cuff and, and, you know, rah, 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 motivate, but explain, you know, take a step back and, and really communicate the situation. So, um, but I pulled things from all those guys and I stay in touch with all of those guys on, you know, whether it be social media, I don't see them a whole lot because they're back in Ohio, but, um, I really like the way Thad Mata handled his team. You're watching, watching the Buckeyes growing up. I think Chris Holtman at the, you know, I, I focus a lot on the Ohio State uh, men's program, but um, as far as, you know, women's program, I, Brenda Freeze and, you know, at Maryland, because she recruited, you know, Zoe so, so long and so hard. Um, they do a tremendous job and, and are very positive and uplifting. And um, Jan Jensen, um, Jensen at Iowa, um, the associate head coach for Lisa Bluter, she's been just an amazing coach to talk to and, and see how much she cares about her players. So um, there's just a lot of people that, uh, and I continue to learn from and just try to pull great things from. And um, we are uh, really a fraternity. I mean, it, you know, those college coaches respect us. We have tons of respect for them and admiration and, um, so I, I just love all of the relationships that have been built throughout the coaching fraternity. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously the game itself is always changing. And so learning from, you know, a, um, a Chris Holden right. maybe who, who maybe hasn't been a head coach for very long, you know, it's obviously a successful head coach, but new things, you know, I think about um, the Alabama head coach as well, the, uh, the men's coach Oates, who, you know, has a different philosophy and, reading about that, you know, I think that you mentioned a couple times, there can be so much that a head coach, a newer head coach, even a seasoned head coach like you can pull from, I mean, really anywhere. For sure. Yeah. Um, well, how about this? I hope I'm not stealing the question that Brian has, but uh, what was the biggest transition from a boys team to a girls team? You know, a lot of people ask that and I, I, I don't really, I can't pinpoint one thing I mean it's just maybe knowing that you need to just talk through some more things and and be that better communicator um because they're always wanting to ask that next question you know whereas growing up and playing boys sports we just did what our coach said and and you know th that was just you know we didn't really ask many questions it was just Hey, I'm telling you to do this, get this done, you know, okay, we're going to go do it. Well, girls, you can see that wonder on their face and, and why am I doing this, you know? And, and so I, I've always liked that interaction I've had with girls in our program and, and just very bright young ladies. I mean, just, you could just see their wheels turning with, as far as how you're explaining something. So I would just say just a little bit on the communication side. I didn't change a whole lot, um, you know, of my 
philosophy or how I treated, I've always tried to treat people with the utmost respect. So um, I just think the communication side, maybe a little bit. Yeah, I would, I would agree with you hundred percent too. I mean, that's something where, you know, having been a girls coach as well, people, you know, like you said, you get that question a lot. And I always say that the, the biggest difference between the girls and the boys is the boys think that they know it all. Uh, you know, because they watch the games and they'll go out and they'll imitate what they see on TV and they'll do all that where, where the girls, you know, they don't absorb the game quite like the boys do, which is great because as a coach, then you kind of have a blank slate. And so they're looking for you to tell them what, why, how. And right. when you come from the girl, when you come from the boys side, where you just say, hey, this is what you're going to do. And the girl side, like you said, you got to explain a little bit. Here's why we're going to do this. And then it's like, oh, and a light bulb comes on. And, you know, yeah. same thing with the same thing with the buy in. And I obviously seen this in your program as well. When you are able to communicate and get through those girls, they will absolutely run through a wall for you because uh, there's just complete buy in because they don't seem to take in all the noise that the boys will from kind of thinking that they know it all, you know. Yeah. And that's tougher and tougher, tougher with all the, you know, the AAU programs and hearing so many different, you know, voices in their head as far as coaches and you know, families and that kind of thing. But you're exactly right. You, that's I agree with you 100 percent, Brian, which makes it fun, too. Um, so got to go back. Um, obviously, you said Horner brought you on. Um, I, so I was at Valley. I was coaching under uh, Horner's feeder program about the same time because I had Turner Scott um, okay. and that, that group of guys when they were eighth graders. And so I had those okay. guys as eighth graders. Um, obviously, I uh, a great group of kids and a super right. talented group. But um, so you talked about kind of morphing your your coaching experience. Um, and then obviously Coach Horner is intense. Um, he's going <laughs> right. to get after people. He's still very much a player's coach, but he's definitely intense. So I, I have to imagine that you kind of turned the hands back a little bit and brought the intensity those couple, three years where you were with the boys program. Um, and then before transitioning to the girls, but uh, what'd you learn? Um, you, you mentioned a little bit about getting to know the families, but what'd you learn under coach Horner when you were there with the three years to start at Valley? Oh, he was, he, not only was he just so experienced as a player, you know, playing at the highest level of the big 10 and having the success that he had, but so detail oriented, you know, the guy could draw up plays, you know, on the spot, um, very creative, offensive mind, um, tremendous motivator. Uh, he knew how to, to kind of find that niche with each individual player. Um, and so I just, I kind of absorbed, you know, I was like a sponge on his staff, you know, just, man, he comes with a wealth of knowledge and, um, just, has so much to give to his coaches and players. And, um, and then his work ethic was, was unmatched. You know, that's why he's, you know, climbing the ranks and, you know, just made it to the, you know, final four national championship game at Truman state. So he's just going to keep having the success. Um, and, and any program that goes and, you know, gives him a shot, he's going to give them everything he has. And I think he's going to be highly successful because he's been successful at, at every level, whether it be playing, coaching. Um, so um, the time, the couple years spent with him were, were great for me. And, and I learned a lot. 
Coach Horner, especially at uh, at Valley, also came with a rat pack of guys. Um, Brownlee, Angle. I mean, we yeah. got some characters on staff. There, there. That had to have been yeah. uh, an adventurous couple of years, that's for sure. Oh, I loved coaching with Jr. Um, we coached the sophomores actually together, and then would sit on the varsity bench. But you know, he would just make me laugh. And and another great offensive mind. I mean. He, He'd draw things up. I'd get us in the right defense. And um, we just worked really well together. And I, I learned from both of those guys um, how important it was to have identified roles on your coaching staff. And, you know, drawing plays, I've gotten better at it. That's not my strength. You know, not, never has been my strength. I, I would say getting us set up in the right defense and then communicating and giving those roles to my other coaches is is what my strengths are and, and knowing that I don't know it all you know um, so I learned a ton and, and I, I continue to learn a ton from from other coaches and, and coaches on my staff included. Yeah, that's great. And obviously the first step in all that is identifying strengths and weaknesses. And so if you're able to do that as a staff um, and have those identified roles, it's just going to build success uh, with the program. And you guys have obviously done that. So rewind a little bit back to Arizona. So did you stick around long enough then to get a head job or so what, how many years were you out there? Did you say? It was three years. So yes, I was an assistant for one year and then I was the head boys coach for two years. And I, I think that was maybe the push over the edge that got me the girls job that I had that head coaching experience. Cause otherwise I was really an unknown in Iowa, you know, other than Horner giving me a shot, you know, and, and letting me run the sophomore boys it wasn't that head coaching high school experience. So I think those two years kind of gave me a leg up in that interviewing process because they brought in candidates from, from all over when I got this job 10 years ago. And, um, and I was fortunate enough to, to get that job and it's been awesome. Yeah, it's, it's been really great for you. We'll talk about those 10 years. <laughs> moving, moving from uh, the second chair to the first chair is always a big jump. Um, and every coach, no matter what level, where, how they got their start, whenever you go up to the first chair, um, they've all said that they're not ready for it. I would agree. I was same situation when I got my head job. I, I will admit that I was not ready for it. But was there a moment, um, either in practice or a game or something, when all of a sudden, you're like, oh, wow, like it kind of hits you that you're in charge, like you're calling the shots. Yeah, I, it's not my proudest moment out in Arizona, but my first year, you know, I, coming from all of these motivating, you know, hard on you know, coaches, I got a little too amped up and, and wasn't real happy with some calls. And um, I never used foul language, but I, I, um, I actually got double teched and kicked out of a game my first year as head coach. And uh, again, not my proudest moment. I demonstrated a jump stop when he called a travel and he didn't like that, you know, stomping my feet on the sidelines. So um, that, that evening I reflected quite a bit and I said, you know, even though you didn't, you know, it could have been cuss worse. or yeah. use foul language. I mean, 
probably could have handled that situation a little bit better. And, and I'm passionate. I mean, anybody sees me on the sidelines, I'm pacing and rarely sit down and always, you know, just interacting with the players. And so since then I've tried to, you know, kill officials with kindness, you know, per se, Um, just get to know them, establish that, you know, relationship before the game, during the game. And, and just view it as a partnership. Um, so I learned that pretty early amongst all the other uh, things as far as coaching. You know, I was not ready at 24 years old to take a head coaching job. You know, I needed more seasoning and, and more learning and we weren't as successful. Um, uh, I think my first year we were just above 500 and actually did make Uh, the state tournament upset a team and then my second year we graduated a lot and and struggled a little bit but uh, all valuable lessons all things that that help prepare me to be a better coach as a a girls coach you you mentioned not sitting down a lot was that the best rule change that the association could have ever done was letting us stand up on the sidelines after all those years of just sitting trying to scream Uh, oh man that was, and I always compared it, you know, to, do you want me sitting at my desk and teaching the whole day, which I did more during the COVID year, because we're all masked up and yep. kind of in our little cubicles and everything. But that's not the most ideal situation for anybody. So yes, that was, that was excruciating. And, and you can see if I have a seatbelt, I don't feel as comfortable as I am, you know, up talking and, and helping our players and team out. Yeah, it's it's crazy to think that we we used to have to on the sidelines sit uh, during the game, except for during dead balls. And I mean, that was just especially when all summer you were standing and then you get in the winter and it's oh, man, that was that was a nightmare. And so uh, I'm definitely glad that that uh, that rule changed. Um, I think actually I think I remember specifically that Heartland shootout um, that they had. here with like it was would have been Peter Jock and Clay Custer and those guys oh, yeah. played um I remember uh having to decide because Wisconsin they could stand and our rules couldn't and then they I think they ended up ultimately letting those guys stand and <laughs> that was kind of like the end of that whole whole argument but uh right yeah good good rule change there uh that's for sure I like your example of in the classroom too I mean yeah we can only sit and do so much and so um right. with that then so how did the were you teaching then um at valley were you uh because you teach algebra correct was were you teaching then when you got the girls job 10 years ago or how is how is your role within the community and in the school changed if at all yeah i started three years at stillwell um teaching eighth grade math and then while I was a sophomore boys coach um, i moved up to valley southwoods and at the ninth grade building and and I've been teaching algebra there for 11 years. So a year before I got the the girl's job, I, I was teaching algebra and I've been there ever since. Good, good. So then let's let's go and take this job. Um, you, you finally get the call. Hey, this job's yours. I, I imagine you had to be very excited. As you mentioned, Valley, uh, uh, a, a program in which that anyone would like to be a part of. Um, maybe the girls program wasn't quite where you guys wanted it to be at. And so what was your first mission? What was your first goal once you got that uh, head job? What was what was your first initiative that you were trying to instill? 
Well, I knew it was to hire a, an assistant coach that would be everything that I was not, you know, a, a head assistant. Um, and <laughs> that was Chris Larson. He uh, um, taught biology right next to me at, at Valley Southwoods and um, played, I think, at two different Division One colleges, played basketball and a um, little older than me, about five years older than me, and, and just we played some morning pickup games. I knew he had a wealth of knowledge and, and lots to give. And I joked with him. Well, I kind of joked with him. I, I knew I was going to go for it and go hard for it. But I said, you know, if I get this job, you're going to come with me. Right. And he's like, yeah, Joe, whatever, you know, you know, he's like, no one knows you in Iowa. You're not getting that job. You know, he's just like, yeah, whatever. I'll, I'll go with it. And uh, so then I get a call from Brad Rose on a Saturday morning and um, offer me the job. So I called him right up afterwards and I said, remember when you said you'd come with me? You know, you're coming with me because I, I just got the job. And um, he was just what I thought he would be and more. Um, someone with great offensive mind that meshed with my defensive mind. We both knew how to establish relationships, build a culture, um, and it just meshed really well together. He's since moved on. Um, he left our program just to because his kids were growing up and, you know, coaches make such sacrifices. I, you know, I, I'm going to have to think about stuff here. And, you know, my son's going to be a freshman and um, don't know how much longer I can do coaching girls when it's sacrifices watching my kids play. So he made that decision. And then since then, Rob Wiederbrand is my right-hand man. And he was my JV coach at the time. Um, so he ran our JV one girls program and saw he had a lot of the same qualities. He's a talk about analytics and offensive mind. He, he just does an excellent job there. So we kind of just hit the ground running uh, won our first championship with Chris being right by my side and then second championship with Rob being by my side. So it, we found a way to kind of just um, make sure I have a really good relationship with that person. We can, you know, tell them we, we agree, we don't agree. This is what we should do, you know, break it down, study it. Um, and so I just, have always had a really good relationship with my assistant coaches. And, and I know that is very important to, to send that same message to all the girls in our program. Is, uh, is this Chris Larson you speak of a bigger guy? Yeah. Oh, all right. I used to play, I actually used to play, play hoops with him in the morning too. Okay. And, uh, yeah. He just I, played I, this I, morning. I, <laughs> um, of, of course, the guy's going to be playing forever. I feel like, and, yeah. and I, I had to retire a couple years ago because I couldn't play anymore. So yeah. He's yeah, he was my always knees, the guy that. My knees and ankles are shot. I, yeah, I retired no a few years ago myself. Yeah. I just can't do it. it. I mean, but we we used to play at 6 a.m and he just yep. he'd show up with a smile on his face and my eyes are half shut and uh <laughs> he 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 always seemed like he had been warming up or stretching for like an hour because he would get out there and just go and, and i'd have to warm up yep. for at least a game or two so that's funny yep great and guy he actually and, and he like, actually lives five houses up he that's actually it. lives five five houses up we moved out here well they moved out here first and i'm like you know we were really good friends coaches so i we're 
five houses down from him. And we watched um, the game six of the finals last night on my deck. And so that well, was. You'll have to tell him hello from me. I haven't, I haven't, I talked, to him since, I haven't talked to him since I retired. So have yeah, to tell him, I'll, hey. I'll tell him, Adam. I will. <laughs> That's awesome. So once uh, once the season gets up and going, then in that first year, um, what do you remember? What, what what are some of the the trials and tribulations uh, of your first year at Valley? Um, obviously, with you at the helm, you guys haven't had what I would call a bad season. Um, but what what was it like uh, to starting out, and uh, what did you see moving forward during that first season? Well, I knew the talent they had. Um, you know, Matty Aggie was the point guard real quick shifty she she got a division two scholarship at mankato and then grace vander was a shooting guard combo guard that um and then that went on to play at, at northwest missouri or um missouri state and then marist in new york and had a great career i think she's top five in their assists all time um, and she actually came back to be my assistant last year, but, uh, but just moved to Nashville. So we're going to miss her, but it was awesome having a former player want to come back into the program. And, and that was special for me, but I knew it was a special group of kids. Um, you know, before our sophomore practice, cause we'd start practice late. I'd watch the end of the girls practice. And, and that's kind of what gave me, the motivation to be, I knew I wanted to be a head coach again. And I'm like, you know, these girls have tons of potential and they're only freshmen and sophomores, you know? So that group, I knew, I knew they had the drive to be state champions. I'd hear them talk about it, you know, before and after practice. And um, so it was my job, our job as a staff to to identify what those strengths were with, with those girls once we got the job. They're young, but they have that willpower. They have that motivation. Um, we needed to find the system and, and the right culture to help them succeed. And um, that group as seniors, we actually made it to the state championship game and, and Waukee won their first in 2015. But I was just so proud. It was one of my favorite groups because it was the one I came in with, you know, in 2012. And then to take them as seniors, um, uh, Whitney Fuller, the oldest Fuller sister, was on that team, a senior, Grace. Um, but and, and Maddie graduated a year before. But, you know, those teams, those I, I kind of put them together because we had 21 and 22 win seasons with those teams after the first year. We were 14 and eight the first year, but we set up that foundation for the success of years to come and then ran off some 20 win seasons, which I think in, in 5A, um, the CIML, when you think about the strength of our um, our conference, our state, as far as Iowa basketball, I mean, girls basketball. I was just telling someone, I'm going off on a tangent a little bit, but just telling uh, someone this in Ohio and, and my mom was in the conversation, you know, girls basketball isn't respected in the other two states that I've been, Ohio and Arizona, like it is here in Iowa. And, you know, you talk about the different organizations like the Girls Athletic Union. I, I could not be 
happier and more proud of how that is run. Um, and I know people are like, you know, you got to put them together. You know, I really don't agree with that. Being 10 years in, in this system, they truly promote and appreciate the Iowa girl. And that's, that's their hashtag. And so Gene Berger, you know, uh, Jason Esslinger, all those people that Gary Ross that are down there at Lisa Brinkmeyer. I mean, I could go on and on the people that do uh, just an amazing job promoting the Iowa girls. So all of that combined and then the, the amazing families that I knew I'd be, you know, coaching. I, I just have lots of great relationships and just so many great memories with, you know, there's not many that are, that are bad. You know, I, I don't, if something's bad, I try to just push that off and move on, you know, yeah. try to focus on the good and, and all the great things that have been a part of our program. And, and there've been a ton of them. Absolutely. Well, and I, I'll, uh, I'll kind of tag on to your point in the fact that I've been pretty vocal on here too, as far as I've said the same thing about the girls association or the girls union. Um, and I think that they do a wonderful job. Um, you mentioned that, you know, how we need two, if, if we're going to, or if we need one, um, if it's going to be one, then that means the boys are going to have to come over and join the girls. It's not going to be the other way around because, uh, I'll, I'll say, you don't, say you that. don't, I'll say, you don't have to say it, but I'll say it. the boys, <laughs> the association is need some change. They need some shakeup. They, uh, are getting a little crusty over there. And so it's time, it's time to, to pick up. And I, I think you said it, the girls, um, are, are forward facing, they're forward thinking. Um, like you said, they make the girls uh, feel special, feel, um, you know, all those things. It's like Christmas every day at Down State Tournament for those girls and that's what it should right. be. Um, yeah. And so, and then to your second point about the CIML um, and just Central Iowa in general, as far as girls talent, we talk a lot about that too. And, you know, some of the, the clubs and all Iowa attacks and programs like that have obviously grown the game um, from a talent level. Um, throughout the state it's it's unbelievable you know my daughter uh, a 2b eighth grader i i'm seeing it even more and more um with her her games but just watching the ciml it's unbelievable and so you mentioned night in and night out um what you guys have to go against and and you said what at 14 and 8 i think in your first season but then you bounce back like 22 and 2 uh in your second season with the loss in the state championship to obviously a really good walkie team every mm -hmm. Every every time you make the state championship, it's it's got to be a good loss because you're in the state championship. But like 22 and two, and you think about where you guys were at and the teams that you lost to, um, you had to feel good moving forward. Um, and so then take me to that next year. So you get uh, in in your third season, and this is the state championship run. run correct. This is um, 15. I was 15 when you got your first one. 15 was the loss. So we. We lost in 15. I got hired in 12. It was our third year that we made it in 15. Okay. And then lost to Waukee. And then odd years after that, we broke through and won in 17. And then we won in 19. So, and um, so, well, and so before you go on, I do want to talk about that first one. But one thing, because you brought it up, I'm, I'm noticing a little bit of a trend here as far as the way in which that uh, your seasons here have gone, you guys only take one little rebuild hiccup year, and then you guys are right back in or around or competing for the state championship. And so let's call, let's call last year, maybe a little bit of a hiccup year. And then what does, what does that mean for this coming year? Are we going to, 
we're going to see some Valley Tigers in the, in the championship again or what? Uh, you know, I love this team. I, I, last year was tough on me and still continues to be tough in certain ways. I won't get into that, but with the COVID year, we got a six week late start. Um, I got COVID really bad. I mean, it, it, it knocked me out for about 10 days. And, um, so it, we didn't start until um, December 22nd. And we were supposed to start November 9th, I think. So um, we were without six weeks and ended up starting three freshmen. So they, as, as far as the kids and handling that situation and the late start that we had to kind of implement our culture with with young kids coming in we finished 10 and 7 we we lost in the regional final to go to the state tournament and overtime at cedar falls um i, I could not it was one of my more proud moments at, at the end and, and a lot of tears shed. you know i'm an emotional guy myself and um a lot of tears shed in that locker room because of how proud and i knew how much everybody in that locker room went through last year and and we only had three seniors but they were you talk about leading kids through something that they never had before so being 10 and 7 making it to that furthest point not the state tournament i was i was super proud of our team um and i said to our coaches if if we can get 10 wins with five less games that's really a successful season. And we got that 10th win to get us to that regional final game. Um, so talking about, you know, three freshmen that are now going to be sophomores and they're already getting some college looks and should be. I mean, they're, they're super talented um, to go with a Meredith Reeker that, you know, is is getting some D1 looks, some D2 looks and great shooter. Yeah, I could not be more excited with with the possibilities of, of this year. And I think we're going to be right in that conversation as far as, you know, Johnston returns almost everybody lost the state. You know, they're going to be everybody's favorite. But, um, you know, we took them to the brink at our place in the second game. We, we lost to them twice last year. And and I, I just I think if we can get over that hump and then Waterloo West out on the other side of the state, they've got like three division one girls. So they're going to be really good too. But after that, I mean, Waukee graduated a ton. They broke into two schools. Southeast Polk lost some really good players. I mean, those teams are still going to be really good, but I think we're right in that, you know, conversation after that. And I, we had a great summer, you know, we, we practiced and, worked out. And then I always, last year we missed our Creighton team camp, which I think is very valuable for next year's group. Um, we went to Northwest Missouri state this year, had a blast overnight camp. The girls got to spend a lot of time with one another. We went five and zero. Oh, um, so, you know, they learned how to win together. They keep just, just taking that next step and everybody's a year older and more seasoned. Um, I'm hearing from college coaches that are, are, I don't get to see them play in the summer a lot because I'm traveling and in July and, and doing a lot of stuff with my kids, but 
you know, college coaches stay in contact with me and say, you know, your sophomores are really good. They're getting better. And um, so to have that, yeah, I'm super excited about this year and year 10 as the head coach. Yeah, I I would agree. Watching um, a few of your games last year, uh, you were you were young, um, young but athletic, and those girls competed. I think I saw, um, I think I saw a little bit of your Southeast Polk game at home, in which I think they kind of blew the doors off you guys. But then watched you guys continually progress and 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 got better. And uh, towards the end of the year, watched um, a good portion of that. Uh, um, kind of reschedule game that you guys had against Algona Garrigan um, yeah. and Auto Trucks and Company. Yeah, that was that was kind of one of those situations where, um, yeah, it was it was obviously a really really good team and some two high end players, uh, you know, for a, for a one A school. But uh, that was that was fun to watch your girls compete and um, you know come out and get a win against the against that team. And like I said, obviously being from Algona, I, I had some vested interest in what was going on with that. And so it was, <laughs> it was fun to watch you guys and got better. And like you said, put together a nice little run. And so it'll be, I'll be anxious to see, like you said, some of the league may be down a little bit than it has been in years past. And so we'll be, uh, we'll be looking for the Valley Tigers here come, come this winter, <laughs> but um, all right, got to talk about them. We got, we can't skip over. We're, we're, we're running a little short on time, but I want to hear about these, these two state tournament runs. So 15, um, would have been friend of the program, Hannah Fuller. Obviously, we've had her on. Um, great conversation with her. Great kid. Um, great uh, athlete in her own right. And so, um, first, first one. First one's always got to feel a little special. What uh, What do you remember um, about that run? Obviously, a great team. Um, we mentioned just tons of talent still in the state at that time. So it, nothing's ever a given, especially when you get to the Wells Fargo. Um, but what about you, you? What do you remember about that week and, and that run to the state championship in 15? Uh, well, you mentioned Hannah and, I, you know, I, I figured our conversation would lead to her and, and just I could not be more excited about her getting an extra year at Drake uh, just because she is she was and is that coach on the floor. You know, the epitome of leader, coach, head coach on the floor. Um just the will and desire to win. You know, she's a she's a winner. She might not be the most flashy player in, in anything, but she's gonna outwork you. She took three charges in the state championship game. I mean, just just an unbelievable desire to compete and win. And um, she was the heart and soul of that 17, that breakthrough team. She was on a 15 team that, you know, her older sister Whitney was a senior so she saw the how close we were and and the pain at the end that so close I mean lots to be proud of but she knew we knew that um, she had the abilities to lead us to winning that game and you put her with a Zoe Young with all that talent as a sophomore um, it was just a special team. Um, I think we were 24 and two, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think that's um, what I got you at. Yep. But Indianola was one of our losses. And when they got beat in the semifinals by um, Cedar Falls, you should have seen the look on it. It was like, I was like, well, we're going to win. Because Indianola had Grace Berg and, and, 
uh, McGraw, McGraw yeah. girls that were tough matchups for us. That was that was one of our our lo- two losses on the year. And and Bert Hansen since come over once he retired, and he's on my staff now. So we try not to talk about that too much because he knew he had a team that they were number one, we were number two in seventeen. And when they got bounced by Cedar Falls, that I was like, we're going to put a game plan together and, and we're going to take take these girls to Valley's first state title. And and they did it. They, I mean, those players went out there and just dominated in every facet of the game. And, and, I, and I knew they were going to do it. And then um, so special, special team. Um, and you talk about you know, the storied history of, of Valley Tigers and all the championships to never have a girls state title until 2017. Um, it was, it was a really neat, neat moment. And I think it capped off, you know, uh, a six year run of what we set out to do. Um, and those kids did it. Uh, and, uh, I think with a lot of our help, but they went out there and and executed and did it. And, and Hannah Fuller is, is, you know, I'll I'll always be grateful for everything she gave to our program and that Fuller family. Um, so then fast forward to 19, Shay Fuller is a senior and then so is Zoe. And we got whooped by Southeast Polk to end the regular season. I think they beat us by 16, 18 points on our home floor um, in 19. And then, so we had to regroup and we knew we were gonna have to win five in a row. And um, Cedar Rapids Washington came with a, a Stolke as a freshman. They jumped out on us early and then Zoe just went off like I'd never seen a player. I mean, she's just bombing them from, you know, 25, 27 feet. And she's like, I'm not letting you lose now. You know, she saw all that in this in 17. And then, you know, Shay kind of struggled shooting the ball a little bit all year in 19. And then we moved her from the corner. She was kind of our corner shooter. We'd have Shay over here and Grace Plummer over here thinking Zoe's going to, you know, spread them out. I'm like, you know what? this is my fault. You know, Shay, I've put you in the wrong spot all year. I'm going to have you up there with, with um, Zoe as a tandem in the state tournament, kind of go back to our roots as far as a two guard front. And Zoe would penetrate the middle and kick it back to Shay and she hit the wide open three. So taking her out of the corner, putting her up top, she just had an amazing um, three games at the state tournament. So talk about a run and, and girls coming together and playing their best basketball at the right time. Two of them were in overtime. You know, we beat the number one seed Johnston in overtime or no, we beat um, city high in overtime in the quarterfinals came from seven down with under two minutes left to be, to send Johnston to overtime. And I have all of this in a, um, a little like highlight video, Justin Smith at Lightsmith Media put together. And it's just an amazing, you know, memory to look back on. And he kind of captured all of the the great moments. So um, I look back at that every once in a while, but then, um, then to get 
So we had to knock off a higher seed every game. And then Southeast Polk had beat us twice. And I, I, I said to everybody, coaches, players in, included, what's the hardest thing to do in sports, you know? Beat a team, beat three, a times. team three times, yeah. right, in one season. And, uh, you know, we put a defense together, you know, just tried to build offensively on what we'd already done, threw a diamond and one at them, and, and just tried to make them uncomfortable. And it worked. And we were down, I think, three or five at halftime, but ended up winning by five and, and taking that lead late in the game. And then, you know, Shea, Shea kept us in it early by hitting threes. And then Zoe took over late and that huge and one, she gets her own rebound. She's surrounded by Southeast Polker. I mean, just, and there were like 13,000 people in the building that night. I mean, I still have the aerial view of it was just everybody in Des Moines, it seemed, was in the building that Friday night. And uh, just, you know, the first one was so, so special. But the second one, if it could be sweeter, I mean, it was it was amazing. So um, and then you just think about, you know, the shooting of Grace Plummer, the athleticism and all the dirty work by Alex Honnold and, you know, just lots of role players. I mean, just two of the most special teams that, that I'll always look back on. And, and they just, they took us to the, to the pinnacle. That, uh, that was really great recall too. I didn't, uh, there's a couple things I wanted to say, but I didn't want to interrupt you because you were, you were <laughs> sorry. I get a little long winded. No, <laughs> that was great because yeah. So going, going through just a couple of things I wanted to add, like you said, I mean, going through city high Johnston, Southeast Polk, um, you know, you kind of mentioned it. So Hannah Fuller, her senior year, you know, the first one's always sweet and maybe a little more expected, um, you know, the, then the one in 19, you know, you knew you had the talent, you know, things like I said, I think you would, you have five losses on the year. And so it was, right. I, I felt like in having seen you guys play a couple of times that year as well, it, you know, maybe not as consistent as it was in 17, it felt a little more maybe up and down. Um, but it felt like the ups were even better. It felt like your, your ceiling was a little bit higher. Um, yeah. and you mentioned Shay, I watched Shay play at Johnson. I think it would have actually been her junior year. Zoe was in foul trouble. So you guys kind of led on, um, Shay quite a bit and, um, she was shooting the ball. Well, she was smooth. I liked the way she handled it. And I was like, Oh man, this, you know, this next fuller, um, she, you know, she's got a high level too. And, you know, seeing Hannah, I think Hannah, maybe a little bit more of, like you said, the coach on the floor, the competitor does a lot of the intangible things. And then Shay um, could score the ball. And then you had Zoe mm -hmm. in there who was next level talent. Um, watching right. her was a lot of fun. And I was in the house for that, that Johnston game in 19 had no business going into overtime. Uh, <laughs> that game should have been over. We'll, we can talk shot selection and some reasons why I got to that point, but uh, yeah, yeah. Um, credit your girls to be able to tough that out. And then, like you said, that Southeast Polk too, you know, you beat lost them twice in the year and you know, you were the, you guys were the underdog in all three games. And so, so while, while 17 probably will always have a spot 19 and, and just the grit and uh, kind of go on that roller coaster ride, I'm sure it'll be something that uh, you'll hold near and dear to your heart. But uh, it's funny how, how coaching takes us on 
all these journeys and all these emotions. And like you said, even then going, you know, rewinding back to this last year where, yeah, you, you, you got 10 wins, but at times it probably felt like winning the state championship because that's just what coaching is and watching these kids grow and, and, and get better yeah. is the, the true reward. Yeah, exactly. Well put. So, well, good coach. Um, so before we get out of here, um, one, one more thing that I, I, I do want to touch on before Adam, Adam kind of wraps up and introduces rapid fire. We got to do rapid fire before we get out of here. Um, if you could go back and tell that first year, 10 years ago, uh, year one at Valley, if you could go back and give that coach, um, one little piece of advice that you've learned in your 10 years, what would you, what would you tell, um, your first year at Valley coach piece of advice to help them out moving forward for the next 10? Um, just love them more than you can ever imagine. Um, just, you know, show them you care. That's the most important. If you show them you care and, and, you know, all the X's and O's, they can wait. Everything else, you know, offensive, defensive schemes can wait. If you establish that relationship, that culture, then everything else will fall in line. <clears throat> pretty simple <laughs> that's awesome that's great that's great yeah for sure for sure and it's uh it's been great to i guess learn a little bit more about your background um and hear those stories about you know not only the championship runs but you know some of those years that uh you know you may obviously you may not have ended like you want to with the championship you know but there's obviously obviously memories that are that are made sure. and seeing you know the passion that you have for your um as for your athletes and for your team too so, so that's been great coach but as brian mentioned uh, we end all of our podcasts with a little section called rapid fire and uh, Brian's going to hit you with, uh, with some questions, a few about basketball, a few not about basketball. And you just uh, tell us what comes to the top of your head. Sounds good. All right, coach, here we go. Sometimes these aren't as rapid as always, but uh, <laughs> it, it usually creates good conversation. So first one, we always lead with um, what's your favorite visiting gym or arena uh, you had the opportunity to coach in? Um, I would say, well, Wells Fargo Arena. I mean, yep. just special memories, just tons of great basketball. That's a good answer. That, that's a, that's a good answer. Yeah, that's that's the easy answer though. A little bit. Do you have a Do you have another one? Another road gym um, kind of like to go to? The environment's kind of fun or different. I love the Lincoln Roundhouse and and Marshalltown's, you know, Roundhouse too, or whatever you call yep. it. Those are. Those are great venues to, to play and watch a basketball game. That's good. Those are good ones. Um, best pizza in the Metro? Uh, I'm going to go with Polly Eyes. Ooh. Polly Eyes. Good spot. Have we had that? I don't know if we've actually had that one. So. At least not as a it's leading. It's been a while kid. since I've had it, too, but it's really that's, good. That's a good choice. Um, favorite sports movie? Uh, Major League. Oh yeah, oh, that, no, that <laughs> makes sense, Cleveland. I like <laughs> it. That's a and a good one, by the way. So yeah. Um. All right. Who's the greatest basketball player of all time? Uh, I'm gonna have to say Michael Jordan. Okay. Even though I'm a LeBron fan, and he brought Cleveland that championship. I mean, Michael Jordan. I was gonna say. I think. Yeah. I was curious because I know you're you're in the age bracket of of Michael Jordan. Um, it's funny yeah. when we 
Yeah. Most of the coaches that we get on the pod will say Michael Jordan. Most of the players will say LeBron. So it's, yeah. it's funny how it's funny. Yeah, I just turned works. 40 this summer. So yeah, I, I was You're, growing up with Jordan. So yeah, you got you got the MJ bug, that's for sure. Um all right, we know that uh golf has become one of your your other hobbies. What's yeah, uh, what's your favorite course in Iowa that you've had the opportunity to play? Um Ooh, it's a good one. I'm going to say Echo Valley here in Norwalk, the private club. The, they've got three beautiful nines. Um, the Ridge, the newest nine, is is a, a great, great track. If if you haven't played it yet, it's a, it's a really good one. And I haven't, you know, I, I keep having friends say, I'm going to get you on, you know, the private ones like, you know, Des Moines Golf or um, – uh Glen Oaks or Glen Oaks, yeah. yeah yeah it's like I'm still waiting but <laughs> still, still waiting <laughs> on those invites I always you know my I have my summers kind of off so let's yeah, go. yeah I'm, I'm available yeah no that's they're listening to this then that's, right. that's great and I Echo Valley um I I've played it once and was a big fan of it I actually played it for uh Boys and Girls Club outing I believe it was what it was we used all 27 holes and the way in which that it lined up I did not get to play a single hole in the Ridge. So I just played the other two. And so I haven't uh, even, I haven't even played the best nine out there yet. And so that's, yeah, it's, that, it's pretty, it's, it's real undulating and has a lot of neat holes. That's uh, yeah, that's a good one. And so, um, well, let's parlay this a little bit uh, coming from some people, I mean, Ohio heavy, obviously Jack's home. And so heavy golf course, but uh, yep. have you had an opportunity to play any other neat courses? Is there one throughout the country? What's your, what's your all-time favorite course? I uh, played one in Kauai, um, Hawaii. When, when my wife and I went out for her 40th birthday and it was right an ocean course um, up there in the Princeville area. Uh, beautiful and just cliffs everywhere and um it, it it was amazing with all the ocean in the background and you know you're playing golf but you're looking and you're like man I can't really keep an eye on my ball because it got ocean here cliffs here all that kind of stuff so so that's great so what um a little impromptu question here I'm going to add right now if we went on the driveway and you and your wife had to shoot 10 free throws who's going to make more my wife. <laughs> that's a, regardless, that's that a great that. answer right there. That is a good answer right there. Yeah, yeah. Right she she wouldn't let me hear the end of it either. But <laughs> hey, I'd be pretty close. But I, I I take about one shot a day with the girls, and I always pride myself in making it. You know, I. There's my one shot girls that went in, right? That's, <laughs> so, that's a lot. What, and they, we, they laugh too, because it's it's like, how is he doing that? He didn't warm up or anything. It's like, I know I, I picked my spots well. There you go. So you already <laughs> said you're cerebral player, so that makes sense. But what if, we threw, what if we threw your son in that mix? Is he gonna is he gonna beat both of you yet or not quite? He's uh He's a playmaker. He, his shot's getting better. Um, okay. He was just out shooting a little bit ago, and I've actually got to take him to a workout here real shortly. Um, he's all ready to go, but I think you'll, you guys will hear from him, you know, in the next couple of years at Norwalk if he keeps working on his shot and working on his game. Well, good. We're excited for that. All right, two more, and we'll get you out of here. One, um, what's, the, what's the best thing about getting the opportunity to be a head coach at Valley? Um. Just the 
pride in the tradition. You know, it's it's a winning tradition. It's got that, I would say, half that culture that you need. And then you kind of put your niche in the other half and, and those relationships, but a winning tradition. That's and that's sometimes the hardest part is when if you have that in place, then you can, like you said, kind of tweak it to, to fit your style. So all right, coach, last one, we'll get you out of here. Um, what does it mean to you uh, to have the shooters touch? Just a, the, the repetition and the, the work ethic to perfect your shooting craft, you know, I've seen tons of different shots come our way. We don't, we try to tweak them a little bit. We don't ever try to like transform anything once they get to us as freshmen. Um, but to have that touch, it's that confidence, that, that work ethic and that drive to become a great shooter. And I've seen, you know, we see them in the NBA, we see them in college, tons of different looking shots. I mean, as long as you get to that spot where that, you know, I, I like to say the elbows in you're, you're releasing with the fingertips up high. And I mean, I, I think you're going to be in good shape that way. We love it. That's that's a great answer right there. So, well, coach, we appreciate you taking some time sharing your story. Like we said already, we're going to be anxious to see what the Tigers are able to do this winter. We'll be watching and follow along. We wish you guys the best of luck here at summer workouts and kind of get back in the swing of school. And uh, like I said, we'll be, we'll be looking come November. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Adam. I appreciate all you guys are doing for our game here in Central Iowa. And let me know anything you guys need. Uh, I'd be happy to help you guys uh, assist you in any way. Okay. Our pleasure. Our pleasure. Yeah. We really appreciate your time coach and look forward to being in the gym for a few games this winter. Uh, You're welcome. A anytime. Change, a, a change from last year, but we're definitely looking forward to it. So best of luck to you. Sounds good. Thanks guys. We really appreciate you listening. If you enjoyed this episode or any of the episodes we've done in the past, do us a huge favor and tell a friend about us. You guys have and will always be our best form of marketing. So if you continue to help us spread the word, we'll continue to deliver and bring great messages from coaches and players all throughout our great state of Iowa. Thank you for everything you guys do for us. And as always, remember, shoot or shoot.